Welcome again to another edition of the Southwest Climate Podcast, take two. Take two. <laughs> the first take, uh, Mike, I, I, I have to admit, that was five minutes of complete dribble. Dribble, yeah. All right, I helped. <laughs> but this is take two, and I think we're better <laughs> We're better this time. So okay. thanks again for tuning in. Uh, we're in the end of March edition. The last time we came at you, I believe, was right before the only event, the only precipitation event to talk about really yeah. uh, since the winter began, middle of February. We'll, we'll deconstruct that a little bit. We'll go back, um, recap the winter because the winter is in my mind uh, kind of in the rear view mirror. You're done with it. You're already moving on. Well, you know, we, we had a first our first 90 degree temperature day, which uh, in my mind is, is the beginning of the official spring period, summer period maybe. Okay. What do you think? Uh, it sounds good to me. All right. Winter's the new spring. Winter's the new spring. Summer, what's, what, what does that make? I don't summer? know. You don't want to know. Summer's the new. <laughs> summer's the new Death season. Valley? I guess. I don't know. So, we have to come up with a the new The Tucson new summer is it. the new Phoenix summer. Oh. Yeah. Or the yeah. old Phoenix summer. And the new the Phoenix old. summer is the old Death Valley. Head Whatever. Spin. You're making my head spin. We're going to have to do take three. Okay. So, <laughs> no, just um, keep going. Just yeah. keep going. Just push. Just All push right. On. So um, let's recap. So what happened in the last month? It's basically been one event. For Tucson, we yeah we hadn't had much to talk about. I think you and I, when we were talking in mid-February, just as the clouds were starting to build and the weather was starting to shift, had had uh, a handful of events. We're looking at just a little over a half inch of, of uh, total winter precip in Tucson at that point, and it was looking pretty bleak. Up until about mid-February, yeah. February <clears throat> 15th, I believe. Valentine's Day. We had That's that right. little... Uh, click over in the weather and the weather really the pattern really did change and that and that event stands out what do you mean the sure. pattern changed um well we had been in that more typical la nina pattern we had a, a sort of broad ridge warm very warm temperatures in much of january much of early february uh the storm track was far to the north we didn't we had sort of sunny days on end and weren't really looking at much precipitation didn't have any moisture to work with it was kind of a classic uh, la nina pattern up until that point until the weather did start to break down. That ridge started to break down. Um, there was a cu- couple of interesting things happening in the northern hemisphere at that point. There was um, Madden-Julian oscillation was quite active through January and February. La Nina was in play. Uh, there was a lot of expectation for the sudden stratospheric warming events, which we've talked about in the past. By the That's, way, both uh, both tropical phenomenons. Um, MJO, Madden-Julian oscillation, and La Nina, absolutely. Sudden stratospheric warming at the poles. So the forecasters who are really looking at the polar vortex and trying to uh, see some shifts in the eastern United States and then what would happen in Europe were kind of focused on if the polar vortex was going to wobble out of place. It actually split. The vortex did end up splitting. Vortex split? Vortex split, yes. I don't know what to make of that. (laughs) (laughs) So the polar vortex broke in two. It's not, it'll go back together. You look concerned. You look like, don't worry, it's back together. It sounds, it's, it sounds you know, pretty some terrible. Some narratives, that's like apocalyptic it is, Yeah, well, it was, no, it wasn't that bad. But anyways, that thing, uh, the polar vortex splitting into, and then having two lobes of cold air, one wandering over towards Europe, one wandered, actually retrograded westward and started to cause our broad west-wide trough to set up prior to the wet event, the following week after our wet event in mid-February was, uh, it got cool and we actually started to pick up a little bit of snow. 
in Arizona in that period. Yeah, let's back it up because yeah. you There's said a lot of pieces. Yeah, a lot of got parts. the MJO, we got the yep. we got the La Nina, we got the sudden stratosphere let's just get them all, we got the polar let's vortex. Do all, all these things are sort of MJO, ENSO, SSW, PO. Wow. Yep. All going on. What about the PDO? AMO? Why not? Throw it in there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Quasi biennial oscillation. QBO, go for it. All right. So okay. all of these things are going on. Yes. Um and up until sort of mid February as you say, we were in sort of a ridge broad, pattern, Yeah, broad, broad western ridge. Which helped to divert whatever the storm yep. track was at that time, whatever was sort of wafting in from the northern region. A lot of wafting. Yes, a lot was, of wafting. Was being pushed north. Yes, yes. So while we were dry and, and, yeah. and warm, Pacific Northwest was... Even a little further north. Even a little, like little further was, north yeah. was yep. sort of wet. Yeah, and then the... Storm track would enter into the northern Rockies and then through far northern Rockies and northern plains. And so they ended up – we, we'll talk a little later about snowpack. The snowpack in the far northern Rockies, mm-hmm. Montana, a little bit of Idaho, yeah, it's so bad. Actually picked up quite a bit of snow. Um, but everybody south and west of there in dry. Okay. So then, then what broke down that ridge pattern uh, through mid-February? Uh, it seems to be, uh, again, a bunch of pieces. The uh, La Nina was weakening at that point. The MJO was – moving through its different phases, Magellanian Oscillation, which was exerting a lot of influence on the broader scale jet stream pattern. And then this polar vortex split caused two lobes at, again, this is the top of the top of the planet, if you're sort of, you know, think of it in that terms, caused one of those lobes to retrograde and push down a broad long wave um, trough across the Western okay, US. So then we were sort of over a Yeah, a so it's, it's like the, the whole jet stream pattern gets sort of knocked out of out of the position that it had been persisting in prior to that, which was good. It really shifted everything around. So it seemed to me when I looked at the weather maps that we were by and large over the last month, a little bit over a month, we had been in this sort of trough pattern. Right? Many yeah. sort of uh-huh. um, low pressures were sort of wafting through our, our region. And yet basic, yeah, yeah. basically we only got one, one event. I mean, it was a big event. We right. should talk about that. Yep. But nothing – more from, from no, that sort it, of active jet pattern. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, it's kind of late winter Arizona where you're really working hard to try to draw moisture into the region to be able to work with. So you're absolutely right. I think it's been busy weather-wise with an active progressive jet stream across the West, but parts of Arizona haven't fared as well. But it's it's been interesting. It's been kind of shifting on and off where the northern part of the state has – had several events, none of them real big, very wet ones, but colder and a little bit more snow, more frequent precip af- across far northern. And then southern Arizona has really been left out of that, except for the the first event, which was a multi-day soaker with high snow levels, snow levels of higher than most of the Sky Islands that set off this, was at the beginning of this uh, this period since our last podcast. Let's go back a little bit. So this this February, mid-February, started over about 24 hours of, of precip. Up until that point, in Tucson, if you look at the October through that that point in time, total precipitation, it would be on average about, about three inches. Yeah, absolutely. And we had, to that moment, only about a half an inch. So yep. obviously huge, yeah. huge deficits there. And that event itself brought about an inch and a quarter. From when we were sitting in that podcast, and the forecasts were really uncertain at that point, too. They're kind of all over the place. It was whether or not this plume of subtropical moisture was actually going to get drawn up into Arizona, whether it was going to produce precipitation. It's really started to consolidate as we got up on the event. But it, the most of the forecasts 
underestimated the actual precip totals and the the extent, um, both in um, mostly in duration about what happened over those next couple of days. And I should say an inch and a quarter at the at the airport. But if you look, yeah. uh, you know, broader, you know, even on top of actually on top of Mount Lemmon, I think they got close to ten inches of yeah of over so a multi day totals. The higher elevations. Now you said something that was important, which is that uh, it, this was a warm storm, so yeah. there wasn't a lot of snow. No. In fact, was that event? I don't think that event produced much snow. At it the- didn't produce any snow until the very tail end, when the cold sure. air started to filter in. It was a really interesting event because the precip multi-day precip totals were pretty big. I mean, there was over, uh, I think, close to two inches for Tucson proper. Uh, with that event. And then across the region, it was three, four, six, and seven inch totals across southern Arizona. But there was very little hydrological response in any of the washes or streams right at the event. It was just such a uh, protracted, gentle rain over multiple days that it just, everything just soaked up. And so I've been hiking around the region and there's still water flowing from that event six weeks ago. And it was Washington. relatively confined to the southwest. Yeah, part it was a real narrow. I mean, you look at Phoenix. <clears throat> Phoenix got just a, a bit, a uh, quarter of an inch. Yeah, it had a real hard edge to it to the north, and it, it was oriented from southwest to northeast across the region. And it, it some of it extended up into New Mexico. Albuquerque got a little bit out of this event, but but nothing like we saw across southeast Arizona. Okay, so this was tapping uh, obviously subtropical. Yeah, a subtropical rain now. I don't know if this is controversial with you, Mike, because I know I know how you f- you feel, but I have seen this as classified as an atmospheric river event. Right. What's your feeling on that? Uh, you had to bring it up. I did. I know. You, it, this was the setup, wasn't it? Right here. <laughs> I knew this was coming. Um, should we talk a little bit about atmospheric? I river? think you should. Why, why do you <laughs> care so much? That's what I want to know. Well, I've got nothing to say. I, don't, I actually don't care if it's classified as an <laughs> atmospheric river. Event. I think, it, I think, I think it's, it's a it's yeah. a it's a colorful term. I mean, yeah, I, I yeah. like the imagery of thinking yeah. about a, a river in the sky. I, I like it too. Yeah, you know, atmospheric rivers are they tend to bring at least for for California and the yeah. in the in the West Coast, Oregon and Washington. These are the events that bring the the greatest amounts of precipitation that bring the greatest negative impacts. The the floods, the the torrential downpours. You know, actually, we just had an atmospheric river a couple couple days ago in, in California that brought right. a lot of rain there. We're discussing a really nice post-event summary on the Center for Western Weather and Water Extremes, um, which is run out of uh, UC uh, San Diego uh, scripts, and they've got a nice write-up on it. And they, they, they classified it as an atmospheric river event. I, I What I thought was really interesting about this event was – and you could even see this coming when we were approaching the event, and then you would look at where the moisture was coming from. The moisture plume wasn't that sort of typical long ribbon of moisture you see extending out past Hawaii or connecting up to the uh, Western Pacific, all the way across the Pacific. This was this sort kind of short, stubby track from the Eastern Pacific from this plume of moisture that was coming out of the Easterlies across from the Atlantic. So it was like this track in the Easterlies across Central America into the Eastern Pacific and was getting drawn up around this ridge off to the east. And then as this approaching trough to the west was coming in, drew up. So it, was, it you know it looked like the sort of classic where you'd see monsoon moisture move in in the summertime. It wasn't that mechanism at all or, or even similar, but it was kind of an interesting approach. It was very southerly 
uh, stream of East Pacific subtropical moisture that was, you know, pretty narrow and pretty strong and interacted with some really very weak dynamics that were present at the time. But there was also a, a block upstream that kept this just correct orientation of moisture flowing into the region for multiple days and just kept round of shower after shower after shower happening across the region. And so the, the totals stacked up. So I, it didn't, to me, feel like an AR in the sense of those California ones where it's just like, boom, they're getting 10 inches of rain in a very short amount of time. We did get 10 inches of rain on the top of the mountains here uh, over a multi-day period. But again, it was the intensity of the rainfall was was pretty light and it was all beneficial, you know, no flooding, no impacts. I mean, we talked about this last year, uh, I think, a, a fair amount on the podcast because I think that was a really active year for atmospheric mm-hmm. rivers, particularly in California. Yeah, I think it, yeah. You know, on average, around 10, 10 to 15 atmospheric rivers strike the, 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 the West Coast. And they are important features for California, Oregon, and, yeah, and Washington absolutely. because they do bring large volumes of rain over a long period of time and they tap subtropical moisture. And they're less important here for us mm-hmm. in part because I think of what you said a minute ago, which is it takes uh, a particular kind of orientation for those rivers coming in from the West Coast to actually make it through the, the, the coastal topography. They have to sort of thread the needle in, in, in the south here, you know, get over the Sierra Nevadas, and, and that doesn't happen very often. No, we're, we're inland, and so it really is tricky getting across the coastal range of Baja even to get some of that deep subtropical moisture in here. Those coastal ranges really can interact with moisture coming in and squeegee out a lot of that uh, moisture coming in. Um, okay, so anything else to say about that February 15th, 15th, 16th event? Uh, you said it earlier. We have to just make sure we – if you're in Tucson, it kind of made the winter. It really took a lot of sort of emotional stress off of a lot of us who had been like, how are we going to make it through the rest of this winter? Looking forward, we were really concerned that we were going to end up with a 2002 kind of drought situation or a 2000 um, – an 0506 situation. And so it really, I think, was an important slug of moisture to put some fire risk at bay. It It's turned into some water resources for wildlife. You can see some water kind of working around. I think it was really important. But as you said earlier, it was really localized and it was very confined to the southeast part of the state. Much New Mexico didn't get as much out of this as we did here in southeast Arizona. And the rest of Arizona is still in really bad shape uh, as far as drought conditions going forward. So to put it in context, that one event produced about so far from October 1 through uh, the end of March, close to 50% of our rain. So just one event. Yeah. I mean, and that was over a matter of days, right? Drawing on your your memory here, but if it stays like this and and one event produces 50% of the rain is that a, a pretty unusual situation that you would get that fraction of rain and in, in, in just that fraction of the winter rain in just one event i mean it seems like that's a fairly un- uncommon situation i'd have to poke at the historical plots a little bit more i think it it's rare but it's not unprecedented it seems like that is something that we talked about this. Was there going to be an event like this? And there just happened to be an event like this, right? So I think it, we all kind of in the back of our mind said, you know, it could turn around on a dime because of a run like this. And that kind of run where you get multiple days of good, decent precip happens more frequently in an El Nino year than it would, say, mm-hmm. in, a, in a La Nina year like we would have here. So I think, to me, it's a standout in a pretty decent La Nina year up to that point. 
Okay, so the, the the broader sort of regional context here, again, since October 1, start of the water year through the end of, end of March, um, nearly all of Arizona has experienced less than 50% of its rain. California as well, for the most part, is faring similar, uh, maybe a little bit better in part because of this last storm over the over last weekend actually right. delivered quite a bit of um, rainfall to coastal California. Utah, Colorado, Nevada, and California, and south of that is basically dry this this winter. And you, you have to go up to the central northern Rockies, Wyoming, Idaho, Montana, Washington for rainfall to be above average. Yeah, it's got a La Nina-ish look to it as far as the precip anomalies. If you look across the continental US, it's interesting that this would have looked so much more La Nina-like if we wouldn't have had that February event. So it's like that February event carved this little nook out of southeast Arizona and southwest New Mexico that put, if you look at the anomalies over the last two months, put us to average to slightly above average. If you zoom in and yeah. just look at a, a shorter time window, it Yep. It does it sort changed. of show up. Yeah. And then if you if you back out, um, there's still it took a little bit of pressure off of that region, parts of Arizona, New Mexico with that event. Okay. So the the preset pattern Again, if you sort of look over the last five months or so, four months or so, the precept pattern does look La Nina-ish. And were the dynamics? Yeah. Dynamics were in Yeah. In and again, well. I think it, there was a lot of those pieces and parts. There's some good blog posts on climate.gov on their ENSO blog that are sort of trying to talk and parse some of the different mechanisms at play. So they, uh, you know, have kind of a background La Nina state, um, Julian oscillation sort of operating on top of it, sort of constructively and destructively interfering with it at times over the over that period of time. And then I think more recently, that polar vortex split did end up disrupting the jet stream pattern and knocking stuff a little bit out of whack. The pattern shift that we've had over the last month has been a little bit more favorable for bringing some of that precip a little bit further south. You've seen some of the upper basin pick up a little bit more snow that they weren't getting earlier on. And then a little bit of precip even this far south into the southwest. So that shakeup was, has been important over the last 30 days. But it has not in any way changed the drought conditions all that substantially here in the southwest that have accumulated over the last six months. We're not out of the woods at all. We're in, most of the southwest is in pretty bad shape. February event was important, I think, for just putting some of that fire risk at far southern Arizona and parts of New Mexico at bay for a little while. The snow pattern across the west mimics the precipitation pattern. just rough. Northern Wyoming, Idaho, Montana, slightly above average. Yeah, and kind then, of your La Nina break point, right? Yeah, in the and Northern then everywhere Rockies. else. And, and this is actually upcoming to the April 1 is sort of the peak snowpack and the date in which a lot of these um, stream flow forecasts are, are, are queued to. And it also kind of marks the end of the snow accumulation season for yeah. the most part for for, Arizona, for, 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 for southern for southern parts and obviously yeah. like in the higher countries you're still going to get some some snowpack but the majority of it is again in the rearview mirror absolutely you know for Arizona it's March 1st is a better peak snowpack date and then April 1st as you kind of get up into the Utah Colorado and further north and just like you said you can get even more after that but that we've already crossed March 1st. So Arizona snowpack is toast. What we have is we don't have much is all we're going to deal with. So that that's kind of baked in. But I think you're right. As you go further north, it's just not a lot better over the upper basin. Some of the other things to note, if you look at California as a whole, I think it's running at about 50% of its long-term average in terms of uh, snowpack. Uh, and, and 
a fair amount of that, maybe you know, a quarter of that came in the last last storm. So, right. just another finer point on this snowpack situation across the West. If you look at the sort of the extremes and and, and sort of filter by record driest and 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 record wettest, there is you know about ten to one more record dry stations than there are wet stations, and and uh, so that's. You know that pretty much sums up the the winter so far. It's been pretty bleak for much of the the southern half of the West. Right. How did the uh, streamflow forecast look? Streamflow forecast, as you can imagine, have the similar a similar picture, Mike. Forty. What? How is that possible? <laughs> well, because it's all oh, it's all right. driven by snow. Oh, that's right. That, okay. So the ones so the important ones that we pay attention to, or that I'm going to talk about here, is the inflow into Lake Powell. Obviously, that's big for the Colorado River. The best estimate is about 43% of average uh, stream flow for the April through July period. So that's uh, that's a pretty uh, low low scenario. Turns out that the reservoir storage in Lake Powell and, and Mead is actually higher this year than it was last year. But that uh, that reflects the the relatively wet winter that they had in the upper basin last mm, year. Okay. Okay. So in addition to Lake Powell, uh, Rio Grande's not looking. Rosy as well. So inflow in, into Odawee Bridge, which uh, helps us determine what the inflow into uh, Elephant Butte Reservoir will be like. The projection for the March through July period is about 25% of average. Uh, so that's a pretty dire situation there. Another bit of information is it's been uh, the driest start to the water year in Albuquerque since 95, 96. Third driest over the last century. So again, this is the the... The picture is consistent across the Southwest, and I yeah. think we've 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 hit this home. You could look at the metrics of, of drought, like drought, droughts expanded. I think the U.S. Drought Monitor calls for Arizona about eighty-five percent of the state is at uh, severe drought or more. Thirty-five percent is at extreme drought. So the low precipitation, Mike, is is the story of this of this winter. That one event in February, which it was extraordinary. It really, it really was extraordinary. The amount of precip over that multi-day period, uh, how warm that uh, storm was, how high the snow levels were—it was—it was a really strange February event to to have, and I think it it was a huge lifeline to Southern Arizona to really knock back some of the local drought conditions. But again, it was so isolated; it didn't impact the broader Southwest area. So April, what can we expect from April? What do you think? It's going to increasingly get warm. Very little chance of rain. There'll be longer days. There'll be longer it's, days. Right? It can rain and snow in Arizona in April. It can happen. Does it happen every year? No. Has it the, happened in the past? Yes. It looks bleak for the short term though, over the next 10 days. It, it's funny. The I've been watching the uh, 6 to 10 day forecast and the 8 to 14 day on the Climate Prediction Center. And it's been all over the place. And it's been really interesting because it was very dry and it's over the last couple of days has backed off. And I think there's quite a bit more uncertainty that's gone back into the forecast. And the one month forecast still has that dry anomaly across the Southwest. It's still fairly noisy spring out there. And some, I expect that we will see one, maybe two more events in Arizona and maybe even some precip uh, this far south. I don't think it's done done yet. I'm calling You're not it. buying it. I'm you, calling see, it. See, I knew you'd call it. I totally knew. Winter's you'd call it. over. Whatever. No more. Whatever. Rain. No more. Rain what about? Did you win? Did you win that? Uh, that no, bet? we didn't I had win. to bring we're, that up. 
Yeah, we didn't. I didn't win. You so didn't I, win. I, th- no. I think we went back and checked. And yeah. uh, I think, Mike, you projected Pretty sure I was December through March. I think I did say that. Ben checked the tapes. Yeah. And yeah. I think uh, I think for Tucson. 73.5. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I was right. Yeah. You know, and I went, I was optimistic, Mike. It's nice I, to be under. That's what I like about this. We just this needed, win. I just needed one more event. I wasn't asking. I'm not asking for a lot. Just one more yeah. February 17. Yeah. Double February 17. And I. Yeah, you did you see what been. it took for me though to win? I had to have some epic atmospheric river come <laughs> up here and slam the southwest. At this point of year, it's kind of not that valuable to talk about El Nino or La Nina, even though La Nina is sort of on its way out. It doesn't exert a lot of control over our obviously because we don't get a lot of weather in in um, April and May and and, and June and. And even in monsoon the monsoon, countdown. yeah, even in, in the monsoon season. So you know, we tend to, or at least I, I tend to. You check out, yeah. I this check is usually out when of, you leave the country, right? I check out of Inso. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to say about Inso? Nah, I don't care. <laughs> um, no, it's yeah, it's La Nina seems to be over. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, Climate Prediction Center is starting to call it. The forecasts are back to neutral. They sort of trend up, and this the plumes go all over the place for the summer. So we kind of are back to, I mean, back to not knowing where we're headed. It's dry here, so. A, a below average or an above average forecast. Well, a below average forecast is kind of pointless, which is what it was before. Yeah, I think it's it, so darn dry. Yeah, it's. I think it's the it's the lingering, lagging La Nina signal that Climate Prediction Center kind of leans on into the spring season. But as you say, the climatology, the precip drops pretty precipitously. Do you think I use that right. um, through the next couple of months here? So monsoon outlook. Should we do that now? Oh, we got to no, get into. Just kidding. It's I think we have like out. a monsoon bracket. <laughs> I'm not sure how that would work, but it sounds cool, doesn't it? Mike, any parting shots? I'm, I'm sort of, you know, I'm, I sort of don't have much more to, to add to this. I think you sort of characterize I can well. tell that you were, we're leaning into your least favorite season here, and you're just starting to check out. It's yeah. great weather to, to It's nice in. to go out. Yeah, we shouldn't talk about it's it, though. It's not right? interesting from a sort of... Podcasting perspective. Po- yeah, I mean, it, it's, yeah. It's, it's... We'll it's try. Really, I, I mean, it'd be it'd take a lot of creativity yeah. for us. You just to, wait to make there's going to be to some... make the ascent of temperature yeah. exciting. There's going to be like the April 10th snowstorm of 2018, and we will have so much to talk about. We need to be on the East Coast talk about those oh, four bomb cyclogenesis, four, all the made up words, yeah. four nor'easters, yeah, like a week apart. I know it's crazy. Yeah, man, I missed those days. <laughs> <laughs> storm chasing okay uh thanks everybody for tuning in and uh we'll be back in uh in, during the monsoon season we're going to take an extended period <laughs> break because i just knew you were going to say that you're going to just <laughs> no yep. we'll be back in a month we'll we'll summarize yeah. what's what's yeah, happening a 10 minute podcast next month all Should right we bet on anything to, to spice it up all right first Loyola, chicago oh i are you, I, are you, you go think blue. they're gonna you think they're gonna make the finals no go blue go blue then you're a Venalo? No, Venalo. I went to Michigan. Oh, you're t- oh I was Michigan. talking about the Chicago game. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You're a Michigan fan. Hey, that's, yeah. a, that's a good team. I like Michigan. You got to root I for do. the underdog. Yeah, that's or true. If you're not from Michigan, you got to root for the underdog. Fair enough. So. Fair enough. Okay. First 100 degree day? Okay, first 100 degree. I like that. I'm going to say April 25th. Oh, wow. Really? In a month. Is okay. That, is that improbable? I just want to step. Just, it, no, let's just let you. I don't look at it. Mike, yeah. Uh, I think it's like May. No interneting. May, tw- May 20th. You're right. I'm a, I'm, a little, I'm a little too soon, I think. It can happen. 
Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. April 20th. Earliest was April 19th. Oh, Ooh, going extreme. We went out, in the, out in the whiskers. Nice. When is the average? May 25th. May 25th. All right. Wow. You, you, you do know the climatology. Can I refine mine? Sure. Go for it. I think it's going to be a hot spring. Okay. I'm going to go, I'm going to go the first week. Maybe we should say by when. We obviously we can't predict the day. So I'm saying we're going to have the first 100 day by May 7th. Okay. Over the last 15 20 years the average it's gone earlier. Day has been about March or sorry, May 17th. Yeah. Previous to that, actually, it was it was closer to May. It was it was like ten days later. Yeah, twenty yeah. days later, fifteen days later, two weeks later. Sixty seventies, yeah. it was. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All I'm right. Going, I'm, did I, what did I say? May twentieth. You said May twentieth. You you were right on climatology. That's that's pretty impressive that you pulled that but out. Now I'm pretty sure I'm going to be. You wrong. looked that up before you came. You set me up. I totally set you up. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Mike. Appreciate it. See ya. All right. The Southwest Climate Podcast is a production of CLIMAS, which is part of NOAA's Regional Integrated Science and Assessment Program and is housed at the University of Arizona Institute of the Environment. Mike Crimmins is a principal investigator with CLIMAS, a professor of soil, water, and environmental science in the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences, and climate extension specialist with the University of Arizona Cooperative Extension. Zach Guido is a research scientist with the Institute of the Environment and UA program manager of the International Research and Applications Program. The podcast is edited and produced by Ben McMahon, research outreach and assessment specialist with Clemus. River in the sky. Yeah, river in the sky. Is that that seems like a one hit one. That seems like that was a song in the seventies or something. I don't know. Okay. We'll have to go back to that. Yeah.